Thank you for listening to a Vietnam podcast by 7 Million Bikes. We share the stories of people connected to and with a love for Vietnam. I'm your host, Neil Mackay, and I've lived here since 2016. When we started this show, it was a Saigon podcast. But as the show has grown, we now talk to people from all over the world who have a Vietnam story to share. At the end of every episode, we ask our guests the same set of questions for each season. This is a special bonus compilation episode while we're between season seven and eight, where you can hear all of our guests answer the question, what was the most challenging thing about lockdown for you? We know this was a tough time for everyone. Share your answer with us. We love to hear from you. You can send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or join the 7 Million Army Facebook group and you can post your answer there. You can find all seven seasons of a Vietnam podcast from wherever you get podcasts. And you can also watch newer episodes on YouTube as well. Look out for season eight coming soon. The links are in the show notes. And don't forget to follow or subscribe from wherever you're listening so you can always get notified about future episodes. What's been the biggest challenge for you during this time? On the personal level, just like watching my kid not being able to like go to gymnastics class or interact with other children or go have play dates, or go to school or, you know, spend time outside and be a kid. That's, that's hard. I think it's harder for me and my wife because we know what the potential could be compared to Luna, who is again, just like kind of unaware of things. She's just happy to hang out with us and, you know, pretty occupied just playing with crayons and things generally. The other artists, it's just work. Like we're, our company has done a really good job and our staff of, of, you know, being professional and maintaining their output and being like, we don't micromanage at all. Like we have weekly check-ins for editorial and social media and like different things like this, but everybody, despite the mental challenge that everybody has throughout the company, living with their parents or the significant others have done a good job of plowing through, but at the same time. We're a very family-oriented company at that we see each other. Like, I have a feeling, I don't know if they'd admit it or not, that a lot of our staff, the company overlaps as like their more immediate friendship circle as well. And I feel like that way, as much as a, a boss can, like I, I try not to, you know, to be aware of that kind of, you know, you have to, if you have to make tough decisions, you can't be friends with everybody. Luckily, our staff are so good and senior in the way that they think and might self-manage themselves that I've been able to kind of become more friendly with them because the times where you'd have to be like, sit down and have a serious conversation, like don't really exist very often. So the need to like, have to like, oh, well, if I have to be a dick about something, I need to like not be as friendly with them to their credit. Like they, they've made it so that that kind of situation never really occurs. So thanks to them, I guess, for letting us kind of be friends and a family together and, and have that, that mutual respect for one another. So not being in the office and hanging out, having beers after work and just having these conversations and, you know, trolling each other in person. <laughs> and we do it online, but it's more fun to troll in person. Than digitally. <laughs> and that's been, that's been difficult. And I, I just, I miss, I miss those guys so much. Talking on Slack does not replace the inner, the human interactions. Shit. I mean, I even miss my clients at this point. <laughs> I think that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with day-to-day -day things, but I think what's really challenging for me is just how to look into the future, you know? 
about, oh, when things are going to be normal again, because I see the cases are rising up in even the UK when they pass 70% of vaccination rate. So, oh, when is it going to be normal again? And every time I think about it, I'm just kind of depressed. <laughs> so I try not to think about it. Yeah, I, I try to focus on the day-to-day thing. Being a YouTube creator, just not being able to go out and film a lot of people that watch from outside of Vietnam, they want to see the street life. They want to see the scenes of the city. And right before the lockdown, I started a new segment similar to what we said Chris was doing, where he would just walk around and film everything. Where I just walk around with the GoPro or the Insta360 and talk about the area that I'm in. And random people come up and talk off to me. And both of those videos did very well. In fact, one of them is close to 200,000 views, I believe. And I said, great, this is a new subcategory I'm going to run with. And after I put the second one out, lockdown. So <laughs> as much as I want to just go and make these easy videos, like podcasts with myself on the street, I can't do it. So I think the most challenging thing as a YouTube creator is having to film everything at home. And as an English teacher, having to teach online. My classes are great, but the little kids can get hard to control after two hours or so. Yes. Having to do everything from home will be the most yeah, challenging thing. Tough. Have you not thought about doing a YouTube video, just like walking about your apartment and just commentating on like, so I'm, I'm just going into the cupboard right now. So I'm just going to get a bag of chips. Uh, I'm going into the fridge. Yeah. Oh, yep. That's a ba-ba-ba. So a ba-ba-ba. You could just do like a commentary on there. I've considered it. Depending <laughs> <laughs> on how long this lockdown goes, I may have to get creative. Uh, I want to do a skit where I teach myself Vietnamese, where I'm the student and the teacher, and it just does a split screen and, you know, just joke back and forth about Vietnamese. And I've just come up with these creative ideas where I have to come up with them because there's, what else am I going to do? Give my, you know, in politics, I'd rather not. At the beginning, I was living in one of these cordon off areas. So I was like in one of these, you know, 50 meter, like, you know, lockdowns where I couldn't get my own food. couldn't get like my, couldn't get anything, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that was quite suffocating. I remember actually going into anxiety because, you know, one of the things it's, it's like, what am I? One of the things with like anxiety is like sometimes you feel the symptoms and you scare it like maybe it's a lot more serious than it is. Yeah. You know, like if you feel like your chest getting tight, you're like, oh no, what if like, I'm dying? Like, what if something's happened? And I kind of get to the hospital in time. There's like none of the hospitals are open. None of the pharmacies are open. So like that was like a constant thought that was in my head, <laughs> which made like the lockdown very stressful. I think some of the tips that was, and I mean, I'm very, very lucky as well. You know, this is my 10th year going into anxiety. I've gotten to know myself a lot better, what my triggers are, and also like what my self-soothing is. I'm also very open to talking about it. So sometimes like my, when my anxiety is really bad, my chest gets really tight and I feel like cannot breathe. So usually what then I need to do is pick up the phone and talk to somebody and say like, hey, you know, like I'm having an anxiety. I, I need to talk to somebody just to talk to somebody. And because I'm quite comfortable to talk about how I feel and I have support systems around me that understand that like that this is just what I need to do that that was one of the things and that's why I really want to normalize it because I really want to just 
I want people to be able to pick up the phone and talk about it because it's so helpful. I think it was to tune to that new rhythm and mostly exercising. So during the first part of the lockdown, we could still go out. I would go for walks every night. And now I'm really missing that. So I'm trying to do stretching and exercising on, you know, every morning, but that's not as, as fun as being outside. Yeah, for sure. Or going to the gym. Not being able to hug my parents and my husband's parents. I think that's what I find the hardest in COVID to not be able to be with families and hug them in your arms. And, but now we're all vaccinated, so it's better. But aside from that family and personal side, I really, really miss traveling and meeting people. And we could have a coffee right now, face-to-face, Neil, but I'm happy to see you on my screen. <laughs> it, it would be even better to, to see you in three dimensions and to travel. And, you know, I used to travel and give keynotes and speeches. And, and I love Zoom, but it's not the same. No. So, yeah, so that I find that tough. This is going to sound wrong. I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize for now. It really hasn't been that problematic for me. And the reason being is, is multitudinous in, the, in that one, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm a foreigner. My, my lifestyle here affords me a level of comfort and safety that the average Vietnamese person doesn't have. And if there's anything that I've had difficulty with is, is just Knowing that within a five minute drive where I live, I could see the complete opposite. Someone who's suffering really, really, really badly. And that, that, that's had an effect on me. I've, I've seen videos that you might have as well. Some of those videos have floated around with like, there's this pregnant lady who died at a factory in Binyong and it was so cruelly unceremonious in the way her, she was dealt with and her body was dealt with. And there was apparently a near riot. And the police managed to show up with the swiftness to put down the riot. I'm like, well, why can the ambulance show up just as quickly the day before to get her a freaking hospital? You know, seeing footage of, of people essentially rioting for food, seeing photographs of some of the field hospitals where they've got thousands and thousands of people just convalescing in beds. That, that's been difficult for me. Just to know that here I am in this really nice apartment with every amenity I could possibly have. Other people who can't, they haven't been able to get food delivered to their house yet. I can go downstairs, cross the street over to Lexington and walk into to Kmart and do groceries. You know, that as somebody who grew up in, in, in a poor neighborhood to immigrant families, I'm sensitive to it because it, it's reflective of my upbringing and I know what it feels like to be on that side of things. So that to me, honestly, has been the hardest in terms of just like surviving through a day and this, that, and the other, like I could go up on my roof and get sunshine and fighting too. You know what I'm saying? That's good though, because we don't have that. Like, I, I, you're going to get people who have rooftop access or balconies is pretty good. But let me, let me follow up on what you said there. You, you made me a bit emotional and I'm almost tearing up because I feel 100% the exact same as you. So yeah, I mean, as challenges as like, as any kind of expat has, but nothing that's that difficult. Same as you, we've got full fridge, got water, got my wife and my dog with me. So nothing really to complain about. And I've got- Yeah, and if you get tired of it, we could leave. We could leave. Like we all, like, I, I think it's pretty fair to say that damn near half of your friends have left already. Yeah, yeah. You know, half, half mine have already left already. How nice. 
Yeah, I've, nice. I've thought about that as well, how some people complain and then they just leave and it's kind of like, well, at least you have that opportunity and a lot of other people. We don't have the opportunity to leave, but that's because we have a dog and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but so last Friday was I woke up, got my computer, had quite a lot of work to do. And I read this article in The Guardian in the UK about Vietnam and about how people were starving, not getting food, weren't getting food. I, I think I read that. I read that yesterday. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was in tears like literally in tears I'm same as you this has not been the most difficult thing for me and just like what you said as well because we live in a similar area knowing that there's people just five minutes down the road and I'm not from like a super poor background we always had food on the table but but we didn't have much money growing up as a family but I don't know if that's what's made me feel like this but I can I'm empathetic to that as well so I was literally in tears. I was talking then my wife came out of a class and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm sure of the article. And I felt so helpless as well. And, and so lucky. So I immediately like started just donating money to some of the charities that I've already been donating to. I was like, yeah, we need to give them more. And like just donated like to three or four different organizations. Like I was like, that's all I can do. Like I can't go give people food. I can't, and I trust these organizations. So I did that. Made me feel a bit better, but I was pretty, I was, in and out of tears all day <laughs> and then I'm trying not to tear up right now then in the afternoon my best friend I've known him since I was five years old I was best man at his wedding uh, he messaged me and he's like hey me and the wife and the kid have all been just tested positive for COVID so I was just like fucking bawling again I was like tears I've, I've had a friend here I'm not going to name names and mm. I'm not going to call him out his name on, on, in public but yeah yeah He's, he's a foreigner who's married to a local, lovely local lady. And they've got, got some kids and he's got a family member back home living with him. And, you know, just, just taking that family member to go get their shot that they ultimately didn't get because some arbitrary Mandarin decided, ah, we're not going to give any shots to foreigners. Despite the fact that we sent you a message to come here, we're not going to give you that. And they went home with the virus Fuck. and their whole family got sick. Yeah. You know? So I, I think at this point we've all got, we've all got experiences that hit close to home. So yeah, I totally, I mean, I, 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 and it also doesn't help as well that, you know, we're dealing with that here and just trying to stay sane here and do what we can just kind of like find some balance in our lives. And then I don't know what it's like where you're from or where I'm from. You got people protesting in front of hospitals and blocking ambulances and getting in and out all because they don't want to take a vaccine that we over here would love to have. Oh, it's mind blowing. I don't think that's too much of a problem in Scotland, but I obviously, obviously see it around the world, but it's like you said, you got to find that balance. And even when I, so I did my comedy show on the weekend and uh, it was my, my biggest show I've ever done headline act and 50 minutes of comedy with 40 people from around the world, which was just amazing. And, and I, I kind of finished with that and I was like, and, I, and it was true what I said. So, you know, I did that thing where you, you know, you know what comedians do when you see a, a, a special, they, they bring the kind of atmosphere down, they get kind of serious, whatever the topic is, whether it's the LGBTQ issues or race issues, whatever it is personal to them. So I brought it down on purpose and I was like, you know, it's a tough time. And, but this part is true as a comedian. I'm always putting out content on Facebook, trying to make people laugh. I'm putting on comedy shows. And I've asked myself, like, 
should I be doing that? Like, should I be trying to make people laugh right now? And anytime I do put something, I'm trying to make sure like I'm not being insensitive to the fact that people are dying and people are sick. So I try not to make complain about not getting stuff delivered and things like this. Like I actually make fun of the people like I did in the beginning of this who make a big deal about not being able to get a fucking cake for their pet delivered. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, but there's balance to everything. So, but what's what's in some, what I say is kind of come out of that saying the, the ultimate reason why I do continue to do it is because we do need to find balance and laughter and joy. And when I talked to my friend who runs one of these charities, he said he's having trouble with his staff because they're obviously going through all the stresses that we are and the demotivation of being locked up and in lockdown and, you know, all the normal stresses because we're all going through a crazy, crazy time. Mm-hmm. But then because they're on the front line and they're seeing and helping these people who are really struggling, they're not taking the time for themselves because they feel like they don't deserve it, deserve it. Right. And he has to kind of tell them what we're talking about is like, no, just because they're having a hard time doesn't mean that you're not having a hard time as well, because that's what we're all going through. So don't, so he has the challenge of trying to keep his staff, like, you know, that balance, like you said. Don't forget, send us a message or post on our Facebook group, The 7 Million Army. If you can, join the community. We're building up more and more members. You get special exclusive benefits and we do community meetups if you are in Saigon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast from. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, It also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.